we have, as a church, faced some very tumultuous times and are facing many challenges in the modern world, and I would assume that it is the same in your churches as it is in our church, that through these difficult times, there have been people that I thought would not stick, who stuck even firmer than before, but there have been some that got disconnected from the branch and have walked away, and there's a lot of obstacles right now that are in the way trying to disrupt what God is doing in the world and in the church today. And I want to preach to that effect tonight. And it's my sincerest prayer that God will help us all before we leave this house. Looking at a fascinating scripture tonight in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18. We'll begin reading in verse number 6. 2 Samuel 18 verse 6. And the scripture says, So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel. And the battle was in the woods. Everybody say the woods. The battle was in the woods of Ephraim. The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David and a great slaughter of 20,000. Everybody shout 20,000. It's a lot of people. 20,000 took place there that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside. And this is the fascinating part of the scripture. 20,000 people died. I'm thinking swords, bows and arrows, clubs, rocks, ancient weapons, lances that they used in this time period. But out of the 20,000, the scripture says the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. The woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. I want to preach to you tonight on the subject, don't die in the woods. Don't die in the woods. Lord, I thank you for what is about to happen in this room tonight. I thank you for the strength that's about to be imparted to your people. I thank you for your mighty power that is present in this room, God. And I pray that you would help us all, every person that's in this room, every church that's represented, every family and every household, I pray. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we give you thanks for the reading of your word tonight. Uh, Would you put your hands together to the Lord one more time as you're seated? In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Now, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me and tell you that sometimes life did not work out the way I wanted it to. Anybody concur with that statement tonight? Sometimes, if I can just be a little funny to begin here, life to me would resemble a treadmill. Now, uh, I have used a treadmill. Obviously, it hasn't done me a lot of good, but I've used one. And uh, it's funny to me in America that Americans will run to relax. That seems really strange to me. Uh, Treadmills are okay to get a little bit of exercise, especially in the cold weather, but I really don't care for them. I prefer to walk outside. My son and I have a path through Kaiser. We like to go through down by the school and down by the creek, and then, you know, somehow we end up down by the coffee shop, and sometimes we end up beside the Dairy Queen as we come back. You know how it is. And, and, uh, but that's the route that we like to go on. I don't like to use a treadmill because you don't go anywhere. Unfortunately, life can feel that way sometimes. 
Have you ever been there where you felt like you were working hard and you were toiling and you were pushing and you were trying to do the will of God at any cost, but you didn't feel like you were going anywhere? I've been there before. I think a treadmill can describe the way people will deal uh, and how they'll feel when they struggle with life. And it becomes even more uh, poignant or becomes more powerful to me when you consider the history behind uh, the treadmill. And so I've done a little research about treadmills. And we're going to show you a picture here in a second. But Elise Fitzpatrick writes that in Victorian England, treadmills were not found in air-conditioned health clubs. They were not found in uh, Planet Fitness. They were not found in health clubs or any place like that, but they were found in prisons of all places, and they called them tread wheels, and they were used as a form of punishment in which uh, people would walk on the treadmill all day long, and the prisoner would know after walking all day long they had accomplished absolutely nothing, and so they served as a form of punishment. I got to tell you, I can believe it. Now, tread wheels have been, been used for grinding wheat or transporting water, uh, but these ones, and, and I want to show you a picture, if they can put the picture up, these are punitive in nature, and they would stand there in Victorian England, and they would look at the wall, and they would just tread up and down, up and down, and they weren't grinding corn, and they weren't grinding wheat, and they weren't doing anything. All of their work on that incline was for nothing. I just, I, I, I don't, I hope it's okay, but I just like to be real and I like to be transparent tonight. There have been times uh, as a pastor that I have prayed and after I prayed I felt like I was on that treadmill there and all my effort had been for nothing. There have been times when I threw my hands up in the air and said, God, did you even hear my prayer? How many know what I'm talking about tonight? And so the only hope that a prisoner had was that at some date in the future he will have paid his price to society and be set free. And so these prisoners couldn't even look at their work at the end of the day and, and feel productive. This, this shows what one looks like. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that sometimes life feels that way. And I want to preach to that today, and I hope that's okay. But, uh, you know, it's not easy in this generation we're living in. The world as we know it will never be the same again. I don't think evangelism will get any easier and I don't think it'll get any safer in the world that we're living in. But I gotta tell you, I find great comfort in the fact tonight that Jesus himself did not live in an easy time. Let's consider the time he lived in. The slaughter of the innocents happened at the beginning of his life. It was a political pandemic, if you will. And then there was the Roman oppression, and there were family misunderstandings, and there was the loss of his surrogate father Joseph, and he was misunderstood, and the religious establishment in Jerusalem would never accept him. I can totally understand that feeling. It was less than ideal. It was not a perfect situation. It was not a perfect world. There was trouble and turmoil all around, but can I tell you, he kept going through his mission regardless. And he performed some of the greatest miracles that the world has ever seen. And so tonight I want to preach to this great church and tell you, you may be facing obstacles, you may be facing trouble, but we've got to fulfill the mission at any cost and not die in the woods. Praise God. Now as we read in 2 Samuel, it's worth noting 
that the woods devoured more people that day than the sword had devoured. Think about that for a second. The obstacles took out more people than the enemy took out. It was almost as if, Brother Anderson, the devil was on vacation that day. It was like he was nowhere to be found. And you see, some things may not be detrimental by themselves on a different day, but the biggest enemy on that day was the obstacles. It was the thicket. It was the pits. It was the trees. It was the thorny hillside. It was the terrain. It was the rocks. It was the difficult terrain, the wild animals, the low branches of the trees, the falling trees, and the marshy ground where you could sink, and the quicksand was there. And when you look at second sand, when you look at the passage surrounding the scripture and when you zoom in you find that it was the battle with Absalom and the account of the battle was actually very brief in the word of God and in the narrative because the narrator focuses more on what happens to Absalom himself and how it affects his father King David but for our purpose tonight I want to just take a snapshot of the battle and, and so in order to talk about the battle we've got to know about the characters that are involved you have King David who is the conqueror that began his career as a teenager when he defeated Goliath the champion of the Philistines and then you have the jealousy of Saul and how uh, his jealousy forced David to flee for his life and he had to live on the run for years while he missed out on his rightful spot as king because how many know you can even be in the will of God and have life go upside down on you and you can be in the will of God and everything will not go your way but I've come to tell you tonight don't let that cause you to die in the woods if stuff didn't go your way go God is still God and if he called you your call is just as sure today as it was on the day when he first called you I don't care what people say I don't care what they do I don't care what went wrong I don't care if you're not in a perfect situation you mark it down if God said it it will happen Glory to God. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in here. I just feel like the Lord wants to send a fresh wind of strength to blow over top of you and let you know that in spite of the obstacles, this church is going to have great revival and greater revival and greater than that and greater and greater. God is going to do it. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. So there's David, there's Saul, and then Saul dies at age 72. And he leaves his 57-year-old son, Jonathan, and he dies in the same battle. And then there's Absalom, the 29-year-old duplicitous son of David, who's stolen the hearts of a large segment of the people of Israel by undermining and betraying the leadership of his father, David. I thank God for these pastors. I thank God for leadership. We live in a world where it's the cool and in thing to disrespect leadership. But I want to tell you, we need to honor leadership. I'm going to tell you how I feel about it in Kaiser. He calls me pastor now, but Bishop Garlitz will always preach better than I preach. He'll always be closer to God than I can ever be. He will always be the man as long as there's breath in his body. He's my leader. He's my elder. He's my pastor. I can't make it to heaven without him. And I thank God for a man of God. Hallelujah. What did Absalom do? 
he intercepted those that wished to speak to the king and he tried to siphon off their loyalty and his method was to lie about the king and pretend to be more compassionate. Let me just pause here. This is free, by the way. You better beware of anyone that tries to drive a wedge between you and your God-given leadership. This is an obstacle that will cause you to die in the woods and I want you to hear me. You do not want to die in the woods. And so there are these characters, David and Absalom and Joab. And Joab is one of three commanders David has placed over the army. And he's informed of Absalom's capture by a tree in the forest. And he is ultimately responsible for his death. But today, our concern is not with the characters of Absalom and David and Joab, but another character in the story. And to me, it reminds me of like, if you've ever read the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien and The Hobbit, and I don't know if you had to read those in school or not, but we had to. And, it, and this story reminds me of that. And here's why. is because the woods are a character in the story. They play a prominent role. More prominent than the sword. More prominent than the commander. More prominent than the military. Are the woods that are destroying 20,000 lives, the Bible says. And the battle took place in the dense woods of the Jabbok River, east of the Jordan, and a forest of Ephraim, which uh, the battle spread out upon, and it had treacherous terrain, and there were large pits, according to the word of God. And in this battle, the woods are held responsible for more casualties than the fighting itself. More soldiers perished because of the trees and the pits than because of the attack of the enemy and because of the sword and the spear. Are you hearing me today? Tonight. I know the enemy is attacking, but there's a whole lot of people in the church that are dying because of the obstacles and the trees and the pits and the rocks and the pitfalls of life. But God sent this preacher tonight from Kaiser, West Virginia, to sound an alarm in Zion. Don't die in the woods. We've come too far to die now. We've come too far to let an obstacle take us out now. Whew. Glory to God. And so when the battle was silent and when the carnage was over and it was safe to re-enter the battle zone when the soldiers who were assigned to tally the fallen, they began to walk through the woodland and when they counted the fallen and, accused, and assessed the losses, it was difficult to find evidence of the death of the soldiers because there were no wounds from swords. There were no gashes in the brain from a massive rock or a boulder. There were no arrows stuck in bodies as they began to assess them. But they did see the brush and the broken branches. And most of them were missing battle wounds. They just could not find them. They did not bear the, the, the scars of enemy arrows or swords. But when they looked at them that had perished, most of them didn't lose their life because of a spear. It was not the opposing force that defeated them. It was the obstacles. Let me just slow down for a second. I hope it's okay. I know maybe we want to rock the house a little bit, but what obstacles are in your way right now? 
What things are in the way right now? Whether you're a young person, or whether you're an older person, or a pastor, or a Sunday school teacher, or a saint of God, or maybe you're a guest tonight and you're trying to figure this thing called life out. What obstacles are in the way? What things are, and it's not even the enemy that's necessarily coming at you. It's just the obstacles of life. It's the weariness of life. Ladies and gentlemen, hear this preacher tonight. There is a weariness that is settling upon the people of God. I hope you can sense it like I sense it. Over the last two years, it gets worse and worse. There is a weariness upon leaders. There is a weariness upon men and women of God. There is a weariness upon leadership. You need to hold the leaders in high regard and in high praying because there's a target on their back to try to destroy their lives and there is a target to try to destroy what God would do through them. But hear me tonight. Don't die in the woods. Don't let the obstacles get in the way. Listen, how many of them survived the battle but the trees got them after they survived? How many of them survived the sword but the trees got them. How many of them survived the arrows but they fell in a pit of quicksand? We've come too far to fall in some quicksand and die in the woods and lose out with God now. <clears throat> the greatest threat was not the enemy. It was as if the devil took a vacation. It wasn't the sword or the spears. It was the trees and the unexpected gullies the woods and the quicksand, as the men of God, the soldiers, were weary from the battle. Come up here, Brother Smales, if you would. Oh, brother, we made it. They threw six javelins at me. I dodged all six of them. Let's go down the hill. Into the quicksand we go. Just when you're weary from the battle, thank you. You're weary from uh, and rejoicing over what I survived and, and yet more danger is lurking around the corner waiting for my distraction and waiting for my focus to ease up and waiting for me to have a false sense of security and think that everything's all right. Don't die in the woods. Don't pray less on Monday than you did on Sunday. Don't pray less on Tuesday than you did on Sunday night. Listen, we need God. We need him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and don't die in the woods. I can't die on Friday. I've got too much to do. There's too much worship, too many Bible studies, too many miracles I've yet to see. I cannot die in the woods. Hallelujah. Now, I want to make a statement, and you may disagree with it, and that's fine. I will not be offended, but I'm just going to say it. All right, are you ready? I'm not sure you even need Satan to be lost. I don't think you need a devil to be lost. I understand Genesis 3 and the great fall, but I'm talking about right now. You can die when the devil's on vacation in the woods because of the obstacles and die without a sword coming at you. No spear attacking and the obstacles get you because you're not careful. I get the distinct impression that God is speaking to people in this house tonight. I have seen God's people win a battle only to drop their guard and the obstacles got them. And when you look at the passage, the scripture after the passage 
talks about Absalom and says, Then Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode on a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree, and his head caught in the tree, and he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a tree. And Joab took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the tree. And ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. Hear me tonight. I will say that the enemy will use obstacles to trap you. And then he'll move in for the kill. It was not an arrow that got Absalom. It was the tree that got him. And the tree held him long enough to where the enemy could take him out. I hope it's all right if I'm blunt tonight. I don't know. I don't care if it's just people getting used to staying home because of COVID. You know, treating pastor's message like an Andy Griffith rerun and I'll just catch it later. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't get me started on that. COVID didn't get them, but it held them in a place where they were vulnerable enough to where the enemy stepped in and said, I'm going to use this opportunity. I'm going to use this obstacle. I'm going to use this unanswered prayer. I'm going to use this disappointment. I'm going to use this sickness. And it became the woods to keep them tied up long enough for the enemy to come in and take them out. Now, are you ready for a dose of encouragement? Are you ready for a dose of encouragement? You're on the devil's hit list. Man, ain't you glad you came to church tonight? So Brother Faz could give you that dose of encouragement. But there's an arrow on your, there's a target on your back. From the youngest to the oldest because there's a value in you that have been touched by the anointing. There's a value. Do you have any idea how valuable you are? Some of you mamas that know how to pray, if you could look into the spirit world and see the darkness that you're holding back by, you're praying, don't die in the woods, mom. Some of you quiet saints that are maybe never very public with anything that happens in the church, don't you stop praying, don't die in the woods, we need you. There's young folks dependent on you. There's spiritual attacks being held back because of your faith. Don't die in the woods. Listen, if something didn't go your way, you better get it under the blood tonight. Don't die in the woods. Someone didn't shake your hand or someone hurt your feelings or somebody said something. I understand that's real. It happens to all of us. I've been offended. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. People have been mean to me before, but guess what? There's a whole lot at stake. There's a whole lot at stake. There's a whole lot at stake. I refuse to die in the woods. Now I got to tell you. One time, Bishop John said, I was so upset I went to the church. I didn't even tell my wife where I was going. I just left the house and I went to the church because I was going to have a chat with the Lord. And I told the Lord, Brother Anderson, how I was feeling about some stuff. And I don't think God minds a conversation. I will never forget the visitation of the Lord I had that night. It was early in my pastorate. God said, don't, don't let those obstacles take you out. 
look ahead to the bigger picture of what I'm doing. This is just part of it. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know you got to make decisions. I know you got to endure some things. But keep fighting the good fight of faith. Don't give up. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to crush hell's intentions over our families and over our churches. In the name of Jesus, hell's not going to talk us out of what heaven is trying to talk us into. We're not going to die in the woods. We're going to have revival and do the will of God at any cost. Oh, are you with me tonight? Clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. What obstacles are you facing? Listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in the heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. That scripture troubles me. I don't want to endure for a while. If I'm about to be 46 next week. If Jesus tarries when I'm 56, I still want to be preaching this gospel. I don't want to die in the woods next year. I don't want to die in the woods a year after that. I don't, I don't know what plans the enemy has to try to destroy Bonneview and Kaiser, but I have made up in my mind I'm not dying in the woods. I've come too far. I've seen too much. God has done so much for me and been so good to me. I've got to make it. And I wish someone in this house would prophesy to your flesh and let yourself know I've got to make it. I'm not going to die in the woods. Hallelujah. He endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received it on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. And who bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Track with me now. In the parable of the soil and the sower, only one of the four types of soil produces fruit. Which means that three do not produce any fruit. But of the three that do not produce fruit, how many mention the wicked one? Only one. You don't need a devil to be lost. Do you know why the apostle wrote about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? 
It's because we, if we're not careful, can develop strongholds of thought in our mind that become weakness and cause us to die in the woods and miss out with God. I get the distinct impression tonight that the Spirit of the Lord is reaching for someone that is about to make a decision in your life. Hear the word of the Lord tonight. The obstacles will come and the obstacles will go, but the word of the Lord remains true and steadfast forever. Don't die in the woods. Just hold on. Just keep praying. Just keep believing. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But do something and stay close to God. Don't die in the woods. Two-thirds of the fruit dies when the devil's on vacation. The lack of root development, tribulation, persecution, the bills, the car trouble, the sickness, the family trouble, the, the deceitfulness of riches that choke out the word. It is the woods that devoured more people than the sword. Demas did not need a devil to backslide. He just loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Ladies and gentlemen, there are obstacles and there are pits. And there are things we have to face. Things that will not change. Are you hearing me? And you have to go around them. And your faith takes a different shape. Sometimes you have to recalibrate. Are you hearing me? You know, if you go fast, you can be impacted by immovable objects. Sometimes you move too quickly and it feels like you hit your head on a tree. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? And sometimes you prayed, God, move the obstacle, and it has not budged. And like the woods of Ephraim, as soon as you clear one obstacle, there's another one in your path. And you're looking ahead, and the bottom drops out, and it looks safe, but it isn't. And you're on the marshy ground, and you're not sure which way to turn, and you lose your balance, and it's discouragement, and it's apathy, and it's worry, and family trouble, or maybe death, or pain, or anxiety, or financial pressures, or, or God forbid we say the word COVID, uh, the news media, wars, and rumors of wars. Uh, but Jesus said, take heed to yourselves, uh, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, uh, and drunkenness, uh, and cares of this life and that day come upon you unexpectedly don't get weighed down by the cares of life I think about when Jesus got the news about John the Baptist losing his life he, he went out on a boat by himself but when he got off the boat on the other side, there was at least 5,000 people waiting for him to speak, plus the women and the children. And guess what he did? He speaks to them. He feeds them. He goes on doing ministry, all while his heart is breaking because of John. And pastors, sometimes while our heart is breaking, we got to keep feeding and keep giving and keep doing the ministry that we've been called to do no matter how hard it is. I want you to hear me tonight. God's going to give you grace and help you do it. Hallelujah. And one of the greatest miracles happens after one of his greatest losses. He finds himself then in the mountain praying and it's not until three in the morning he walks across the Sea of Galilee to catch up with the disciples and, and 
He catches up with them and and he's fed 5,000 people and multiplied the bread and the fish immediately after this loss. And the Bible tells us that the Isaiah, the prophet said, you're wearied in the length of your way, yet you did not say there's no hope. You have found the life of your hand, therefore you were not grieved. First Peter said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give a defense to everyone that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Ladies and gentlemen, we must not lose our hope. Don't die when the devil goes on vacation don't die in the woods Jesus fought for you so you could make it continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven whereof I Paul am made a minister don't be moved away from it listen our soul waits for the Lord We need to do some of that tonight. Our soul waits for the Lord. We're just waiting for the Lord. Just waiting on the Lord. He's our help. He's our shield. Our hearts wait for him. Can I tell you, don't let COVID move you. Don't let Ukraine move you. Don't let Russia move you. Don't let Washington move you. Don't let family trouble move you. Don't let joblessness in West Virginia move you. Don't let high gas prices move you. Don't let job issues move you. Don't let your unanswered prayer move you. Don't let the obstacle that's in the way move you. Listen, let's keep hoping. Let's keep hoping. Let's keep hoping. Our heart will rejoice in him for we have trusted in his holy name, our heart will rejoice in him for we have trusted in his holy name. Hallelujah. And I believe that you believe that God is greater than the enemy. I, I know you believe that. I don't think we have a tr- any trouble believing that. But I have figured out something in 11 years of being a pastor. And that is it's not my job to fight the battle. It's my job to stay close to Jesus and let him fight the battle. And if I'll stay as close to him as I can get, he'll say, Rob Fazalor, don't trouble yourself about that. That obstacle sitting there, just leave it there. Don't even, don't just go around it. You don't got to step over it. Just go around it. It's all right. Just go around it. Go another way. I make a way where there is no other way. Well, Lord, there's another obstacle down this path. I make ways where there are no ways. <clears throat> Stop being in a hurry and hear my voice. I'll never leave you. Never. <laughs> never. Never. That's a hard one for me. I come from a troubled background. Sometimes parents would leave us alone for long periods of time. I can't stand to be alone to this day. I don't like to be alone because of that. I had trouble with that one. But oh, I'll never leave you. Never. I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. When you walk through the fire, I'm going to be there. When you walk through the flood, I'm going to be there. They might even throw you in a furnace. Guess what? I'm going to be there too. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I need to get close to him because he's got plenty of firepower. 
<laughs> He's got plenty of ammo. He's got plenty of angels. He's got plenty of might and authority. That's not a problem. No, no, no. How do we avoid being defeated by the obstacles? Well, we got to follow Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why. He knows the way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He knows the way around the danger. And we've got to pray he'll provide the strength, the direction, and the orientation. Hallelujah. I think about Joseph in the pit. He's the promise of the future of Israel, but they throw him in a pit. Don't let your promise die in the pit. It may not look like it's happening right now. And honestly, there have been times when I've had to recalibrate because my prayers hadn't been answered the way I thought they should have been answered. But I have learned something through time. And that is when I look back at the times when I thought I was losing. I turn around and I look in reverse and I realize I wasn't losing. I was actually winning because God was in control. And God was taking care of things that I had no power to be able to change. But God took care of it. The safest place to put our lives is in the hands of God. God is in the hands of God. It is in the hands of God. Ladies and gentlemen, don't die in the woods. If you're discouraged, I want to lift you up. God's on the throne. He's still got you. He's still working. He'll still conquer through your life. Just don't die in the woods. You got to stay in his word. It will illuminate your path. Don't get separated from your comrades. I need you and you need me and we need each other. It's the only way we're going to make it. Didn't he say, in the world you're going to have tribulation. You will have it. But I'm going to give you my peace. I feel peace in this room about to just like rain down upon us. Jesus said, I'm going to be straight up with you. You're going to have tribulation. It's not always going to turn out the way you want it to. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I didn't just overcome the devil. I overcame the world. The tribulation, I overcame it. And so things are going to be all right. Do you know what tribulation literally means in that scripture? It, it literally means pressure. And figuratively, it means affliction or distress. And I know there's people in the room that are in affliction and distress right now. Be of cheer means confident, courageous. When we place our trust in God, he gives us peace in the midst of the pressure. I want you to bring up the next slide if you would. I want to leave you with this today as the musicians come. Go ahead and stand with me if you would. Just as Jesus overcame death for us, Jesus overcame life for us. We rejoice about him defeating death, hell, and the grave. But I'm not there yet. I'm still in life. He did not just overcome death for us. But he overcame life for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It wasn't just Calvary. It was the betrayal while he was on his way. It was the feeding of the 5,000 while his heart was breaking. And so, God, you overcame life for me. When it gets rough, I know he says, step right over here. There's, there's a path over here. 
I'll bring you through. Step this way. Go this way. You'll make it. I got you. Thank you, Lord. Would you lift your hands right there where you're standing? Oh, I feel the peace of the Lord wanting to rain on us today. Filling this atmosphere with peace. Oh, Jesus. Oh, bless his holy name. Oh, God. We stand here tonight, Lord. Lord Jesus, we stand here tonight in this house wanting to do the will of God at any cost. I pray you help every person in this room tonight, God. Make a fresh commitment tonight and have a fresh touch of God in our lives. Praise God. This altar is open tonight.